Welcome to Beyond the Small Talk, podcast for leaders and educators, hosted by me, Andrew Howie, and you, Alice Beveridge. On our show, we delve deeper than the surface level small talk and explore the important topics of well-being and self-care in the education sector. We understand the challenges and demands that come with being a leader or educator, and our goal is to provide you with some practical tips, strategies and resources to help you prioritise your own well-being while still excelling in your role. So join us as we discuss a variety of topics related to self-care, mental health and work-life balance with experts and educators who have first-hand experience navigating these issues. Let's take a step beyond the small talk and prioritise our own well-being so that we can be the best version of ourselves for our students and our colleagues. Hello, Alice. How are you? Hi, Andrew. I'm good. How are you? I am wonderful. I have been delivering sessions in person. I've been online. I've been all over delivering lots of sessions, but I don't seem to have had as much fun or as much cheese as you've had in the last week. Oh, yeah. I, at this point in time, am approximately 95% cheese. You'll have to explain why you (laughs) Well, uh, this will not surprise our listeners, but my husband was running this weekend, but he was running in a much more exciting location than usual. He was at the UTMB Ultramarathon de Mont Blanc Festival in the Alps in Chamonix, and he was kind enough to bring his wife along for the ride. So I've had a weekend without the children and without my husband for a considerable part of it. And it was bliss, absolutely bliss. I have been eating cheese. I've been up mountains, visiting glaciers. I have been paragliding. I have been swimming. I have been reading, reading. You'll be very impressed. I think I've like quadrupled my recent reading total um, this weekend. And yes, I am feeling fairly joyful. Well done. I was looking at, I think it was on Facebook maybe, where there was photos coming in and I was just sitting going, oh, oh, so jealous. So jealous. Yeah. yeah but it looked yeah, amazing. It looked, it looked <laughs> amazing. So I'm glad we've got you back. Yes, I have returned. I have returned. And I actually feel really refreshed. I was having a conversation with my husband on the way back about often, and it's not very often, me and him get away together for any period of time, particularly without our darling children. But I feel like time slowed down over the weekend for like the first time in a really long time because every second of my day wasn't scheduled and I was kind of just lurching from meal to meal wondering if it was acceptable to have a glass of wine or not. And uh, I'm assuming it was on most occasions it was acceptable. All of the occasions yeah all of, all the, of occasions. the occasions. And this run was it about 24 hours? Well well so the run was a 67 mile run in the Alps that went from Italy to Switzerland to France which sounds really massive but it was kind of like it was really massive but it's kind of like around a little mountain range which is a fairly massive mountain range um, and he managed it in just under 24 hours so he is absolutely delighted. What a hero, what a champ, that's incredible. Yes yeah, yeah. I, I'm quite happy by the pool at the bottom of the mountains or taking the cable car up the mountains but uh, yeah he prefers to do it on foot. And how's he coping with stairs this? Is the stairs a problem or all good? I think he's okay now, but it was definitely amusing watching him try to get back on and off the plane. That was like (laughs) the highlight of my weekend. 
Ah, amazing. Well, that sounds like you had fun, so I'm glad. And you've brought the sunshine back. It's all glorious here, so hopefully that will continue. Now, Alice, last week we had been talking about drive, purpurine. Purpurine? That's not hard. Purpurine. There's the name for this episode. Purpurine. Purpose, mastery, and autonomy. But we kind of said we're going to dive a wee bit deeper into the purpose aspect of that because uh, I, I think something you mentioned in the podcast last week kind of stuck with me is we are driven by purpose as teachers. We have it as a vocation. We want to improve improve the, the chances and the choices of the children. It's like we have that purpose, but sometimes that purpose can be held as a stick to beat people with like, and people feel chained. Or, or they, So that's what I thought. Like, let's dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, I think what I was getting at there was often whenever we're working in a vocational environment, whether that is healthcare, whether that is education, the vocational element of it can absolutely be weaponized against us, particularly in teaching, because we've got lots of like lots of deadlines, we've got attainment being measured all the time, we're measured on so many different levels. And at the end of the day, we all just want to be making like the best possible impact in our classrooms and our teams for our young people that are in front of us. But something that I have become acutely aware of through delivering our Vibe Leadership Programme is just the sheer intensity of workload and the number of hours. Like, in fact, I asked this question this morning. I had a Vibe cohort this morning and I asked this question on every Vibe cohort. When we're talking about how we create high-performing teams, what that looks like, one of the one of the elements that comes up as being crucial, right, crucial to developing high-performing teams is an element of sacrifice. And I get it, right? I get that in order to be great at stuff, we make sacrifices. But I genuinely believe that in education, sacrifice is taken for granted. You know, it's like we are expected to sacrifice our time, our energy, our well-being way over and above our working time agreements, way over and above the expected number of hours of work. And I think it's just a really interesting point to spend a little bit of time on. I could probably talk about this for days and weeks and months. But I think it's really important that as teachers, we recognise that actually, if we are always going above and beyond, if we are always working above our hours, we're actually starting to camouflage. And I really believe that across a lot of Western education generally, we have a huge amount of camouflage going on in terms of how many roles there are versus how many teachers there are and how many teachers absorb ridiculous quantities of work into their time because they feel like they have to in order to be able to deliver good quality education for our young people. It's a, an interesting one. It's one sitting on leadership teams and being in working time agreements and things, meetings around that. And and I remember we we done a lot of work in one school I taught at. Um, I wasn't on the leadership team then, but to re- reduce the report cards, templates so the report cards didn't take quite so long to do but then the next year that was almost like well we've taken 10 hours out of your working time agreement for reporting because the report card template's shorter now so we've put them to something else and one of the teachers saying no because the, the purpose isn't to reduce workloads to then add more workload in and um, sometimes we've made it easier so you can do it and actually the time you're given so yeah that there's such a it's, it's always a 
controversial time of year. It's always difficult. And yeah, the balance is really difficult. And I think if we're talking to people who are aspiring leaders or or even in those leadership roles or or anyone who's in education, how do you get it right? Because, I mean, there's a question for you, Alice. (laughs) How do you get it right? Well, okay, I'll just solve this problem in one conversation, Andrew. Well, let let me ask you a question here, Andrew, right? If you look back at your time in the classroom and in your leadership role, how many hours were you averaging a week? I can I no idea, no idea. Um, I I'm trying to think with my maths head on. I don't know. You're well, you're well over forty. You're well over that. You're well over like what is, is you'd be in school sometimes at half seven, eight o'clock, and I'd be leaving about half past five, and and for that whole time you're sort of doing something. You're focused on something. Now, I don't know if I was always at my most productive for all of those hours, but I was certainly, I felt like I had to be in the building all those hours. And then on a Friday, I kind of tried to get away probably about four o'clock, but I felt I could because the head teacher went away about four o'clock on the Friday. So that was almost like if you could you could leave the building. So how many hours is that? That's a lot, isn't it? Well, so the, the reason I asked that question is I didn't really expect you to know exactly how many hours and minutes, but it's a question I ask regularly of our middle leaders in schools, how many hours are you averaging? And through my very extensive data analysis of this, otherwise known as looking at the comments coming in on Zoom and totting them up in my head with my amazing numeracy abilities, um, I would say on average, people are saying they're working between 50 and 55 hours a week, which is 15 to 20 hours in addition to our contracted hours. Now, I'm a big believer in the fact that if we want to do something well, then yes, we put in our time and our energy and effort. But that shouldn't be every single week. You know, if we are doing that all of the time, like a little bit of sacrifice, a little bit of above and beyond now and then is acceptable. You know, we would expect that in almost any job. Sometimes you have to work a little bit late to get something done by a deadline. Sometimes you have to sacrifice a wee bit of your evening to get something finished. That's normal. What's not normal is when that is expected or just becomes the norm. It's not even necessarily that it's expected or there's anybody saying you have to do this, but it's when it becomes the norm that this is what we have to do every day just in order to do our job. And I don't have a magic wand solution to this one today. I don't think I've got practical tips in terms of how we reduce this. Well, I probably do have some tips and hints and things like that. But I really think that this is not an individual problem. I think this is a systemic problem at the moment within the world of education, not just Scottish education, within the world of education generally. Um, And I think it's one that it's like the elephant in the room. We all know it's there. We'll all complain about it quietly in the background or sometimes less quietly at working time agreement meetings and things like that. But it's still there. And it was there when I was actively teaching. It was there when you were much more recently actively teaching. And it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So I guess it's really just having a bit of time to think about why and how. And as leaders, we've got that expectation on ourselves of how long am I working each day? How much time am I putting into each day? But then what are the ramifications of that? What is the... What culture are we setting or what expectations are we setting for the people in our teams? What is the culture within our school? There's some schools that I've sort of worked alongside over the years and they've got it right. 
you know, they've got a really healthy working balance, like work-life balance going on. They've got a really healthy culture. And then I work with other ones where it's just like everybody's in at the crack of dawn and they're still there hours after they should be. And I don't know. It's just one of these things. I don't really know where I'm going with this today, if I'm honest, Andrew. I just... I just need to say it out loud so that other people hear it because I'm seeing it all day, every day with coaching clients and with teachers. And I think we need to give it some air time just so that people realise that it is a problem. Absolutely. And Maxine Hughes picked up on this with the, the episode we had in Challenging the Hidden Patriarchal Ideals in the Workplace. There's work and there's life and then there's the life work. And if you're always doing your work work, and then the life work, then where's the life in that? Where's Where are those moments to reflect? And it also makes me think of Steve Mumby and the imperfect leadership. You can't do everything. You, it's within the time frame that you're paid to do everything. It's There's too much. There's too much. So can you allow yourself to be a little bit more imperfect this year? Can you uh, allow yourself to, to, to take that time? Maxine also brilliantly described it as what are the breakable plates? What are the plates that you're spinning that you can put down? Another way, now this is then getting back to the individual and, and the problem with the bag, if we give individual advice, the, that's an individual. The issue, as you say, is a big one. It's like, um, there's a book, Stolen Focus. It's about me using, it's about using your phone too much and how it's stealing our focus. But the whole book comes down to, you can give up your mobile phone as much as you want, but the global push for you on your phone the people who are pushing these issues the, the the websites that hook you to these things are massive they need a big change because if you keep making these websites and these apps attractive to people people will struggle to put their phones down so i think we're going to have a discussion and i can say like here's some thoughts but whilst there's a big thing whilst it's a systemic issue or whilst there's too much work too much expectation you're really just putting a wee plaster on the dam. It's really just uh, sticking your thumb in and hoping it's like, right. So that's that's the thing. It's, it's the big, big issues, which as leaders in the school, maybe you can get a, a small handle on how do you help your staff around you? Um, does that make sense? We, we're going to look at individual things you can do, but actually the, the, the issue is not with the individual. I think, I think we can look at it from those two perspectives. You know, on an individual level, what are the consequences of this? It's exhaustion, it's burnout, it's less time with our families, it's less time focusing on our own health and well-being, it's interrupted sleep patterns, it's reliance on caffeine, it's higher levels of stress, all of which lead to higher levels of burnout and higher levels of people leaving the profession. And like that's on an individual level. If we scale that up across education generally, and we have teachers who are exhausted, who are tired, who are stressed, who are burning out, this has a direct impact at classroom level in terms of if you're gubbed, if you're on your knees, it's not that easy to be delivering excellent learning and teaching all day, every day, because we don't have the psychological capacity to be able to plan and deliver and be on point all of the time. But if we scale this up beyond the classroom, what we actually end up with is cohorts of exhausted members of staff, cohorts of staff looking for different jobs or leaving the professional together, which in turn weakens our education system. It means that we end up 
in a system that becomes more reliant on people working longer and harder because we've got less and less people there to fill the gaps. So the individual experience has a huge impact on that wider sort of national level of what's happening as well. So, yeah, sorry, I'm feeling a bit ranty today, Andrew. Oh, that's okay. Wrong with me. You know, um, it's the wine coming out of my pores from France, perhaps. Do you know um, sports people? I, I I love sports. The players and football all play now with with monitors on them. They, they, everything's monitored, and when those players go into what they'd say is the red, mm-hmm. like if if they are not at training, they're under the weather. If those players are red, the the managers are told by the 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 sports uh, science department you can't play them this week. They're not. They're in the red. They're exhausted. They need time out. They need a bit of recovery. Uh, we also had when we spoke to place to be that that this is we're talking about physical exhaustion, but with place to be that that one hour was it one hour for every six hours of of um, support that you were offered. So every six hours of of um. Right, so if you were delivering counselling or yes. something like that, then we have a process in place known as supervision. Um, you see it in um the NHS as well. So if you have had a particularly difficult case or you have delivered a particular amount of coaching counselling then there's a supervision session where you're allowed to offload um maybe that's yeah so sports people have it for that physical um, and other professions there's that time for mental and 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 it's just yeah there's there's actually no time really and that comes down to probably you're in service day your afternoon like that moment where you can grab a cup of tea and have a chat but you feel guilty because they're always in the staff room chat and they should be having a they should be doing some work at the moment. So it's about culture, isn't it? Do you know, just while you've been talking there, I've just called my husband who does not realise he has just been dragged into a podcast recording here. But I want to ask you a question, Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, on your watch right now, how long have you still got recovery-wise from the run at the weekend? Oh, I don't know. Um... Work it out. Oh, he's going to have to get his little phone out and his little app out and he's going to have to check his app. So you were just saying sports people have these recovery periods. Ross did a crazy run at the weekend, we'll give him that. And in terms of his recovery, oh, he's looking, he's looking. Um, he is real, he, he does exist. He might I think it'll be days. Eh? In fact, you want to see how... How sucked into the UTMB world he is. He's even got his little UTMB baseball cap on as proof that he was there. Right, have I stalled enough for you, Ross? Uh, apparently, I've recovered. Oh, apparently, you've recovered. I'm, I'm good to go. You're good to go now. Oh, no, you, you should have said that. You should have said that. <laughs> what did it say when you finished? 74 hours or something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, it was like 80, 87 hours. 87 hours, right? 87 hours. Is it 87 hours? What day is it? Um, 87 hours. You can go away now. Okay, thank you. Nice. Thanks. I'll have a cup of tea, please. Thanks. Um, eighty-seven. Now that Ross is letting you know he's recovered. You're trying to get tea. Yeah, he's useful to me again. I should not have got him to do that. He's going to go to running club tonight now. But that was something that I found fascinating. Like just what you were saying there about people in sport have expected recovery periods, right? His expected recovery period from that run was eighty-seven hours. Now. I know his coach and his training plan that comes after that. He's not doing any proper training the way that he would normally train for about the next three and a half weeks while he recovers properly. He's allowed to now go and do some gentle movement, maybe the odd short run and like 
proper short run for him, like a couple of kilometres, maybe park run, um, which is longer than I care to run generally. But that is built into his training plan. And this is where, from those outside of education, we hear the holidays argument, which I think is one of the most toxic arguments that exists within teaching, um, is that, oh, well, yeah, I do all of those hours in term time, but then I get my holidays. And the problem with that argument is that we assume that we can store up our exhaustion for those holiday periods. And a holiday is not meant to be about recovery. A holiday is meant to be a break where we can go and do the things that we want to enjoy. Now, yes, teachers get lots of holidays. They get more holidays on average than pretty much any other profession. But those holidays are interrupted by recovery. Now, if you think your first couple of weeks of the summer holidays are often spent recovering, they're often spent just pulling yourself together. My my first week, couple of weeks of like the summer holidays were always spent ill. I don't know about you, Andrew, but I would almost always finish that June term and then I would just be ill for the next like two weeks, just completely done. Then you get your couple of weeks holiday. Then your brain kicks back into gear as you start planning and thinking or worrying about the year to come. And this is, I know I'm sounding really moany today and I don't know why, but I think it's because this just infuriates me that this is an expectation that we're putting on our teaching staff when at the end of the day, yes, we want high quality teaching and learning for our children and our young people. But we also need a system that can support that without burning out the people that are delivering it. And we started by looking at purpose. That's why we were coming back to this because sometimes that purpose if I don't plan that lesson, uh, my purpose is to to improve and impact on those children. Maybe by not doing that lesson, their experience is going to be worse. If I talk about purpose, then maybe if I don't go to that meeting or I don't attend that thing, that kind of buys into my sense of really drawing on my purpose. So maybe it's it's about knowing your purpose, but also your value. Your, I remember when I was teaching, um, one of my friends was in law and he was talking about well, how much how much is a an hour of your time worth? I was like, I've no idea. He's like, but I do, like an hour of my time, I'll invoice you for an hour of my time. Hours, yeah. But in terms of teaching, when you work that amount of hours, how much is an hour of your time worth? Because it's mm. not going to work out very much because you're putting in uh, and you're paid, you're paid for the hours. That's what you're worth. And if you go way over them, then I'm I would worry that in those hours that you're there, you're burnt out, you're exhausted, you're let let. It's a whole big roundabout. So purpose, how do the teachers, uh, leaders in the school get the, the right messages across about purpose, about value, about rest, about recovery? Uh, if you could just sum that up for us, Alice. I'll do my best. Um, I think this comes back to our classic Simon Sinek approach to why we do what we do, how we do it and what we do. And often the why is exploited in order to get more how and more what. The what is what we're doing in terms of our actual day-to-day. The why is why we do it. The how is kind of the glue that holds it all together. How we choose to spend our time, how we prioritise our time. Like There's obviously a time management argument in here of maybe we're not being efficient enough or blah, 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 blah. I don't believe for the majority of professionals that this is a time management issue or a prioritisation issue. I genuinely believe it's a workload and expectation issue. 
and it's maybe not present in every school like I hope some of you are listening to this podcast just now going no I've got this sorted we're all good we've got excellent work-life balance but for those of you that are listening going yeah actually I'm on my knees I'm exhausted I don't have enough hours in the day to do everything it then starts to come down to how we do it and you mentioned Maxine's podcast already about those breakable plates sometimes it's an issue of prioritization and if we're living in a, a world where we're constantly in deadline mode know where we're always firefighting and there's always something else happening then everything feels urgent no and everything that we're asked to do just gets assigned the same level of urgency whereas that urgency is not equal across everything just because something's important for somebody else it doesn't mean it's important for you or it doesn't mean that it's within your capabilities and cap and like capacity to be able to deliver things And I guess there's a little bit around bravery in this as well, of being able to say, okay, if you want me to do that thing, what's the thing that I'm putting down? If you're telling me this is the priority, what goes instead? Because that's got a time cost assigned to it. And if that's going to take me seven hours of work, if that's going to, even if it's going to take me 40 minutes of work, what else is going? And this is going to be different dependent on your role in the school. Those of us that are in curricular roles maybe have a bit more control over some of this stuff than if we're in, say, a pastoral role, for example, because the nature of those two jobs is quite different. Though, And I would honestly say from a burnout perspective, the middle leaders that I work with most regularly Oh my god he's actually brought me a cup of tea thank you <laughs> joking but you brought me a cup of tea um the middle leaders that i see that are most burnt out and are struggling with the quantity of work not the management of their time the quantity of work that they're having to squeeze into their time are those in pastoral and guidance roles because it's much less predictable and you can't look at your week and say right then i'm going to do this bit and then I'm going to do that bit because if the phone rings and you've got a parent that's got an emergency or if something happens with one of your caseload then you have to respond to it instantly so there's definite differences in different roles here but I think sometimes there's a bravery issue here of we need to be able to advocate advocate for the importance of our own time and the fact that time does not grow on trees I think uh, we had Jared Curley on, we were just referencing lots of old episodes, but he was my head teacher. And I felt that one of the reasons why I think he was, he is such a an excellent head teacher was because I was a senior leader and I could have those conversations with him in management meetings. When there was things coming through, I could say, right, but if we are going to do that, how do, what are we not doing? What are we not doing? And And he would have discussions around the leadership group where we were free to be brave and have discussions. And he would also be brave and take those discussions back to where he has to take them back. But just in terms of, right, how do we make this work for our school? Because we we can't do all of that at the same time. We're going to have to um, look after the people who work for us. And I think setting that culture in the school is really good because I would hope then it's not as confrontational because I've been in confrontational schools where it becomes very polarised and, um, 
we're not going one minute over this meeting. We're not going one minute over that. And I think that's, I think then if you've got that culture, it, it can be very divisive. Now, I'm not saying always run over on staff meetings. I don't think that's right either. I think you respect the time. You show up, you use the time, but see if I'm a minute late, I'll apologise. And, and But I think that's, again, about maybe culture and about like respecting people and getting it right. Um, when I used to act and do theatre, we were so protected. I could only be on the stage for certain hours of a day and see if I was in costume and we were doing a tech rehearsal and then I had to get lunch. I had to have 15 minutes to get out of my costume, to have an hour break for lunch, to have 15 minutes to get back into my costume, to get back on the stage. It was so structured. Um, you just couldn't break that at all. Um, and I know that's the way where sometimes it's ridiculous with that on the stage. It becomes silly. One one time a director I worked with went on the stage. She was working in America uh, and there was a teapot on the stage which was in the wrong place. So she got up from the audience, went up, not the audience, but she was directing the show and says, oh, we'll just put that over there. Uh, and she sat back down at the end of rehearsals. Someone came over to her and was like, don't touch the props. That's someone's job. If you move that teapot, that's someone's job. So there's the that's not what I'm looking for. Um, but that structure was helpful. But at points, if we're up against it, I would, I would move away. But it's, it's how do you avoid burnout and drawing on people's goodwill? I've said I, think, <laughs> I, th I think from a leadership perspective, it's it, especially middle leaders. For those of you that are listening and are middle leaders, this is really tricky territory because you're advocating for your team and your people and you're also trying to deliver the priorities of the school. And it really, I think you've really touched on what this comes down to here and it's culture. It comes down to the culture in the school and for those of us that are in schools that have great cultures, you'll be sitting listening going, this is not a problem for us. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, for those of us that are in slightly trickier schools or where that culture or expectation has just slipped naturally. Like I've been in schools before that have had brilliant culture, but there was almost a an undertone of, oh, you're here a little bit late or, oh, you're leaving a bit earlier. Oh, are they off to go and pick up their child from their after school club, are they? You know, and there was almost this, it was a lovely school, right? It was a lovely school that I was in, <clears throat> but there was this expectation of, you should be here at this time. I was here at this time. Why were you not here at this time? And I think it's a bit about respect of what other people have going on in their lives. Cause there's times in your life where it's easy to be in at seven o'clock. Like before I had children, could be in school at seven o'clock in the morning and leave at six o'clock at night and it was fine because I still had time to do stuff that's not a reality now there's no way I could do that now whereas the majority of teaching staff have other commitments outside of school and as a middle leader or a leader generally within schools it's how do we protect their time and this is going to sound like a broken record here comes down to our relationships comes down to the psychological safety to have conversations about it. And just like you were saying with those conversations that you'd had with your old head teacher, with Gerard, it was, right, what what do we sacrifice? If this is the priority, what are we taking off? And it's not what are we reassigning to somebody else. It's not what are we adding to somebody else's plate. It's what are we saying is not a priority if this is the priority. And it's not cutting the workload, making something simplified, and then filling that time with a new ta a new task. It's it's 
it's not that. Um, I also just wanted to, to to sort of add. I think when you're going into mid middle leadership, there's an ambition. If that's what you want to do, you're ambitious, and obviously there's that those moments where you do go above and beyond because you're wanting to prove yourself. We've got that. You want to make a an impact as a middle leader, um, and that's not the journey that everyone wants to take as well. So I think sometimes when we get or we get to those positions, there's maybe that that idea of, well, I'm, if you're ambitious and you're putting in all that time and you're trying to make your career, that's maybe your focus at that point. But that remembering always, that's not everyone's exact focus at that point. As you say, people, there's lots going on. There's so much. Um, so it's maybe that comparing ourselves to each other doesn't really work too well, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think we're going to solve world peace today, Andrew. I'm going to be honest with you, but I I'm feel not sure. Like I feel like I've just confused myself by by uh, by going through all this. I'm not sure. I find it so difficult because I can understand both sides of the argument. You want you want people to work hard. You want people to be in there, but I want them to be refreshed and recovered and relaxed. And and I actually I want them to teach my children a really good lesson where they're excited and where they're they're that's that's the main thing. Uh, so it's so difficult, such a difficult thing. I would love to hear from anyone who's got this right in their school or or can talk us about the journey that their school's been on to to reduce workload, to to improve um what's going on in their schools. I would I would love to hear from it uh, from from the schools or from any practitioners who think they're on this journey. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Right, Andrew. As I said, don't think we're solving world peace today, but at the very least, I hope that's given everybody a wee bit of food for thought just to look and at their own work balance for this week. And you've got a cup I, of tea. I do have a cup of tea. Well, do you know what? I'm going to take five minutes to drink my cup of tea and decide what my breakable plates are this week. And I've got to go and pick up my children from the school right now because that is not a breakable plate. That's that not needs a to happen. Yeah. yeah, goodbye for now.